Church, I just want to start by saying thank you, thank you, thank you for every single person in our church that has any part of Kids City, the kids ministry of our church, because of your faithfulness to serve and volunteer and to encourage students and, and to be part of their classes and teach them. We had an amazing time at camp, and thank you for anybody that offered financial support for our kids. Uh, turn to someone you're sitting next to and say, you belong here. Now, now turn to your second choice and tell them they belong too. So, so two things I want to say about kids camp is just that uh, the kids that were there, it is amazing to see their sense of belonging and their sense of uh, community, just at, even as a young, at a young age. And I just want to say that um, I was so encouraged in my faith because of two things about our kids at camp. Number one is that I saw kids that were, that were 9 to 12 years old in our church um, start to develop a quiet time with God. Every morning, we stopped and we uh, memorized a verse and we read the scriptures and we talked about what it really means to connect with God. And, and the verse for the week um, was in Job and it was uh, stop and consider the wonders of God. And so the two things about the kids that I, I just thought was amazing is that they did stop and develop that quiet time with God. And the second thing is, besides all the fun and besides you know, the crazy water, water slides and everything we did all week long is our students, our kids uh, from Warehouse Church are receptive in their hearts towards God. We had an invitation on the last night of camp and every kid, Tara and I at the end of the invitation were sitting in a row full of empty seats. 12 students went forward for the invitation and it was, some of them it was for prayer, some of it was for, uh, for rededication, some of it was just because they just felt a connection to God, like they needed to go forward and pray and, and learn what it means to get to know God. And so I just wanna say thank you to anyone in this room that's poured investment into them and time and, and parents uh, for what you're doing at home. It is making a difference in these kids' lives. And uh, just wanted to celebrate with y'all, we had one of our students at camp accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So it was, it was an amazing, amazing week. Uh, Tara did an awesome job organizing and talking to parents and getting kids there. And I just want to tell you guys, this isn't a camp was awesome, we did it. This is a let's keep going, let's keep investing in this ministry. If you're not volunteering, Kid City is an amazing place to just be part of. You talk about a place in the church where you feel great about doing what you do. I mean, these kids run up and hug your leg and they look at you and they're like, you're awesome. That doesn't always happen in youth ministry. So uh, if you're not involved, um, this would be a great place uh, for you to join in. And uh, I just wanna introduce Pastor Ed Trinkle. Give it up. Thank you, Gary, very, Pastor Gary, very, very much. This has been, last summer I gave Gary and Tara a hard time because uh, their summer, last summer, was Wedding Palooza. I think he had like 15 or 20 of his friends. He flew all over the country. He was marrying and went to, this has been Campapalooza for him this Campapalooza. And uh, he's already been to two camps. Plus and the test camp, so three. Three camps, and he's going to camp in about 10 days to England where he and uh, Tara are both gonna be speaking uh, at a youth camp that we help uh, underwrite as a church and um, he's just, and, and, and at the same time, uh, Tara's about uh, 16 months pregnant, and um, uh, they, have, they bought a house recently, and he's trying to get it refurbed so they can move in this week, and uh, we're just very blessed with, with Gary and Tara on our team. We really are. They're just a great, great couple. This week, Gary's families, I'm going to do that now instead of later, because I've it. been really thinking about it. Uh, Gary had some family members. Uh, in town this week and some folks from his home church in Illinois 
And uh, I want him to introduce them and just tell us about everything that they did this week real quick. Would you do that? Yes, sir. Uh, we had four people come, uh, my mom, Jane, my dad, Tony, my childhood best friend, Derek, and uh, Mike, you guys just wave your hands. Yeah. They came, they had about 20 people from their church that were heartbroken that they couldn't come because of work conflicts or family conflicts, uh, but they came and um, really we, we just knocked out a huge chunk of work at the building and mm -hmm. were such a blessing to our people. We had, we had um, probably 25 people uh, total if you add up Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, so if you're from our church and that was you and you, you helped work on the project and I'll have them stand too, would you just stand up right now and we want to recognize anybody that helped on the project. Brother Frank, that's you. Stand up. It was, it was awesome. Very good. Thank you, Gary. Great job. Well, you appreciate all the help and uh, especially you guys. Yesterday uh, was your... 39th wedding anniversary, and yes, it was, it was great because in the middle of the day, he said, yeah, it's our 39th wedding anniversary. I looked at him, I said, 39 years? He goes, yeah, with me and Mrs. That's it, very, very, very good. That's good. I was trying to help you, buddy, okay? Yes, 39th anniversary at a church work, church work project. You know what I mean? Guys, what not to do on your wedding anniversary, right? But uh, we just appreciate your love, and uh, we know there's a vested love here with your kids, but we also know that uh, your church is behind that. And uh, was, They were telling me that his pastor was excited for them to be here sowing seeds. They sent them money to pour into our building this week uh, to sow seeds into our ministry. And that's so humbling, and we're so grateful for that. And we know some really neat things, yeah, really neat things are happening uh, for that. I want to ask you if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 5. And as you're turning there, let me share something with you. Uh, we're going to be, uh, the, the building stuff is getting turned up big time. Or just to make it shorter, it's getting turned. Turned. It's getting turned. Uh, we have a work day this week scheduled for Thursday night. We'd like to welcome you to come out to that. We're going to be having lots of work days uh, week to week. You'll hear the announcements for that. But need you to be praying about some things. Uh, just pray for God's, God's leadership in our building. That's just a great just way to pray for it, uh, of some things that we need. There's a little fire code thing we're working through. Uh, we're talking to the business owner, this, the, the property owner, about some things this week. It's just, it's, it's just really a lot of momentum right now. Uh, we, by faith, gave our notice uh, to this uh, property owner here. And uh, our last possible Sunday that we can be here is September 30th. Now, when you go in our building, you're going to go, there's no way we can get done by September 30th. Well, you know, we'll see. You know, we're hoping we can. Uh, I think we'll be in there before then. I think things, uh, as things start getting, uh, we're just going to see some things come together really quickly once all this, these last little legal glitches are taken care of with the township. But uh, we need your help. We need your prayers. Uh, for, for that to, to move forward, and, and we need you to be involved. You know, one of the ways that we talked about saving money was for us to get to put some gloves on and get in there and do the work. And we have uh, the House of Prayer Church from uh, Illinois was here with us this week, and um, we also have a church from Granbury, Texas that's coming out to help us out in two weeks. And then we uh, told the church that a group from Guatemala a church that we invested in, an orphanage that we invested in Guatemala is coming up in August, uh, uh, middle, end of August into September to help us to finish the building. And if you want to be a part of that, we need 10 people that can give 30,000 uh, airline miles on American Airlines. Or if you want to buy a ticket, somebody said, I don't fly American, but I'll buy a ticket. We need 12 airline tickets. So however we need to do that, if you want to help with that, uh, see myself or Marianne. But uh, we're going to be talking about this a lot. And if you're uh, if you call Warehouse Church your, your home, I hope you're happy to hear about these things. I hope you're not saying, oh, they're gouging us this week. Listen, we have work to do, ready for this, on our church. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. We've got work to do on our church. We need everybody helping out at one level or another. Don't think you don't have something to bring uh, that can help us out. We had teenagers here this week pulling, uh, cleaning up insulation with the big ghost suits on. Courtney one of our amazing youth workers was there yesterday, and the, and, the, and the insulation suit she was wearing 
to clean up. She was the third person that wore that insulation suit. So she had layers and layers of other people's sweat that just permeated her body. And we're hoping she took a shower after that yesterday. We're pretty sure she did. But there's something for everybody. There really is. There's something for everybody to do. So we hope that you will take advantage of that. So I want to, we're in this series called How to Neighbor. And I mean, I want to talk to you about one of the touchiest subjects to talk about in our culture today, and that is racism. Man, racism, when we, if you were to give kind of a, a first impression of what you think racism would be, we would kind of instantly think uh, of, and I'm going to, I'm just, gonna, I'm going to be very, very, just very blunt with some things this morning, Not no intention in my spirit whatsoever to be offensive, and I hope you hear the whole message, not just two sentences out of the message. You know, I had somebody say to me one time, you know, I heard you say in church. I said, yeah, I said that, but finish the sentence. You know, don't get stuck on two, two words or two phrases, you know, but uh, hear, hear the whole thing that we're going to talk about today. Uh, but racism t- is a tough thing. It's a problem in our country. Uh, it's a deep, deep-rooted problem in our country. And frankly, uh, I think because Americans, it's so easy for Americans to only focus on the United States of America. Sometimes we forget that the problems that we have here in our world, uh, are in our country, are really problems that, are, that exist all over the world. Uh, racism is not an exclusive problem in the United States of America today. Racism is a problem in almost every country and every culture. And it's kind of funny. We've had uh, just been so, so blessed to, 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 to uh, visit many, many countries on missions trips. My wife and I were missionaries in the Philippines for a few years, years and years ago. And uh, so having world exposure kind of changes the way you even think about racism. It really does. But it's interesting how racism is different in different countries and the way that it, it plays out. For instance, uh, in the Philippines, um, there is a racism with lighter and darker skin uh, that exists here in our country too. But it's, it's interesting the way that it plays out. In the United States, it's a value, right? It's a value for people in the summer to get dark tans. They all want to get dark tans, you know? They love get. yeah, Tammy loves that dark tan. Uh, uh, Marianne came back from her trip to the beach this week, and I was talking to her daughter, uh, Jenna, about it yesterday. I said, your mom's coming back from the beach, and she's going to be really dark. And, you, and, and she said, my dad's really dark, too. It is so unfair they're so dark right now, right? And, and, and Americans love the tans, right? But now we're kind of moving into the health age. Got to be careful with the tanning. Uh, I had something removed from my arm about six, eight weeks ago, and uh, the dermatologist said, let's just take a look at Let's just take a look at the whole package. And I just looked at her and said, what you talking about, Willis? And she said, but she wanted to do this little thing to make sure I didn't have any spots for skin cancer. And it's so encouraging because she said, you're hitting that age now. So she really made me feel good about myself, right? So a lot of people love the tanning stuff. And if you can't get the natural tan, they'll put the, they'll put the, 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 the stuff, that, the lotion that makes you tan instantly. I had a friend of mine, a dear, dear friend of mine growing up. Uh, who loves to be tan, heard, you know, heard the stuff about, and he was a guy growing up, when we, when we went to the beach together, he would put baby oil on his skin just to get darker, which is like, you know, the worst thing in the world, and he spoke in my church in Philadelphia one year, and it was so funny, while he was speaking, we didn't have air conditioner in our church at the time, while he was speaking, he started sweating, and brown beads of water started dropping off his face onto his white shirt. And he had these little white tracks on his face. I said, bro, what is going on with your face? I put some tanning cream on this morning. I said, what are you doing that for? I just like looking darker. And I said to him, why does everybody want to be a brother? Can I get a holler on that, Evan? I said, why does everybody want to be a brother, you know? And he just looked at me. But it's interesting in the Philippines, right? In the Philippines, they use, as they do in different countries in, 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 in that part of the world, in Asia, they don't want to be darker, as a matter of fact, if you're darker, you're looked down on because darker-skinned people, especially in the Philippines, are people that work labor jobs and they're out in the sun all day and they're viewed as as poor. So poor people in the Philippines, to make themselves not look dark, will use skin lightening cream. I think made by Michael Jackson Incorporated. I don't know where they get it from, but they would use creams on their skin to make their skins lighter because they didn't want people looking down on them thinking they were 
just common workers. Isn't that unbelievable? We always, you know, there's this little thing where we're always trying to please other people or achieve a status thing with, with all those kind of things. But boy, racism is so real. All the way back in the world, man, deep, deep, deep in the Old Testament, we read stories of, of, of disrespect, condescending tone, and people talking down to different races. Romans chapter five, um, the apostle Paul probably more than any other author that God used in scripture, really addressed issues of racism. Um, In Galatians, the whole book is really written to the church in Galatia about a church who uh, was a Jewish descent church and they had very condescending attitude and condescending feelings towards Gentiles. A scripture passage we read a couple weeks ago where uh, Jesus was uh, the, the Good Samaritan story. And Jesus said a lot of, you know, he gave the whole story, you know, go and do likewise. But there was a lot of undertones throughout that whole story where Jesus was addressing this issue of racism. And in, in, Matthew, in, in Romans chapter five, I wanna read for you verses one through 11. Uh, God's inspired, holy, preserved word says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God, because of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, Uh, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into the hearts uh, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at, at, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good, uh, though a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, and that's an inclusive statement, we're all sinners, every single one of us. And Paul was saying this grace that was given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ is for everybody. That's what he's saying in these passages here. Uh, Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we've been reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Paul is given a great, great understanding here about the significance of the relationship that we have with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things that Paul is pointing out in this passage is, is that every single one of us were born in need. Rich or poor, red, yellow, black or white, no matter what your lineage is, uh, there, there are some families in our church that, have, that, that you could go back in, in your family tree for generations and, and, and see Christianity, uh, whether it's through dads, granddads, great-granddads, great-grandmoms, so on and so forth, of good, solid, church-going, godly. And man, if you have that godly heritage, praise God, thank God, and you are very, very blessed for that. Uh, but you know, no matter if that's your story or if you are... I just heard about Jesus for the first time. Now I gotta go back and restore my family line because my mom and dad, my grandmom and grandpa, my aunts and uncles, none of those folks in my life have a relationship with Christ. That may be your family. I don't know what your family situation is. But no matter who you were born to, how much money you have in the bank, what kind of great job, what kind of education, what country you're from, you know, I wanna tell you this. I think it's kind of funny when you hear people talk that the United States of America is a Christian nation And I think it's interesting when people say that because we kind of lose perspective of the fact that Jesus Christ didn't die for the United States of America. He died for all of the nations of the entire world of everybody that existed. It's not our exclusive gift that we're giving to people. We have a responsibility to pay it forward because of what people have given to us. It's not ours that we we made Christianity. And, And it's funny the way that Americans perceive this, 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 this idea of being Christians because we think we've got to take American Christianity to the world. We don't need to do that. 
We need to take Bible Jesus Christianity to the world. That's what we need to take. Because you know what? Ministry in different countries looks a lot different than it does here in the United States of America. Uh, my friend Ben over here, who's an officer uh, and a gentleman. Well, I could say that in church this morning, right? I was, I was corny, I'm sorry. His sweet wife uh, is in uh, Kenya this, this week and for a little bit, how much longer is she in Kenya? So, seven days, 42 day, minutes and 32 seconds, right? Something like that. She's coming home next Sunday. And uh, she, her, her home church, her dad's a pastor up in Wisconsin area. And uh, she's been leading trips there for years and years and years. And there's this great church that we go to that an American missionary leads. Now, I'm going to tell you something. They do church differently than we do. They, they, get, they throw it down. They get down in church. They're dancing up and down the aisles, and they're going crazy, and they're not singing one song. They're not singing two songs. They're not singing six songs. They're singing for hours in church. They're not looking at the clock and talking to their husband or wife about, hey, it's 11.05, what the heck is he doing today? They're not doing that stuff. That church is an event for them. And they, but you know what? That doesn't work in the United States everywhere, right? Uh, if you've ever been to an African-American church, that's an event. They go for days. They go forever. Uh, we had a gentleman that pastored us in south of Dallas that came and spoke for us on a Wednesday night. Pastor Chris did great. He's asked me to come preach uh, at his church sometime, and this is what he said to me. I want you to come preach for me, but bring your breakfast and bring your lunch. Because this is what he said to me. We don't do church like you white people do church, right? And I said to him, are you allowed to say that? I'm a little offended by that. And he, you know, we were just joking with each other. But he said, yeah, we don't do church like you guys do. We don't do 30 minutes like it's a Seinfeld show church. We do church for hours. He said, we get there at seven or eight in the morning, and we're there till two in the afternoon. And I just looked at him and I said, what do you do during football season? <laughs> like with concern on my face. I mean, I couldn't pastor that church. We got some football business after church, right? But it's cultural. There, there's a lot of, and they're not bad things. It's not wrong that we do church in an hour and 15 minutes, right? It's not bad that they do church in six hours. It's cultural. There's a lot of cultural things we add to church. And there's, there's nothing wrong with those things as long as the priority is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our job, is to share not only the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the love of God that dwells in us. And that's what, that's what God's called us to do. But there's a responsibility we have. And I wanna, I wanna tell you a story of something that happened in my life that had a huge impact on, um, on the way that I viewed racism. I was very, very blessed to grow up in a home where my dad wouldn't hear anything about any kind of racist talk or anything. And I'm just gonna tell you, I heard it in school, I heard it from my friends, I heard it from people around me, and let's just be real honest, we're before God and Jesus right now, right? How many of you have been exposed at some level with people you care about to racism? Raise your hand up in the air. All of us have, it's just a fact of life. So, and it's uncomfortable sometimes. And, we, and probably, and I won't do this because I wouldn't want to embarrass anybody, probably a majority of us have, whether it's been under the umbrella of joking around or under the umbrella of just trying to fit in, probably almost all of us have engaged in a racist conversation at some level in our life. Not purposefully. I'm not, I'm not accusing you. Pastor said I was a racist. I didn't say that. What I'm saying is, is we have, our, our words are very powerful, and sometimes we say things we shouldn't say. Would you agree with that? Okay, that just happens. When I was a kid, I worked for my dad. You hear me talk about this a lot in his hoagie shop uh, in Philadelphia. Very, very cliche. Hoagies, cheesesteaks, the whole thing. And uh, I was raised there. And, um, you know, I learned a lot of my character lessons in my life from my father watching the way that he did business and treated people. New Year's Eve, probably 19, I'm going to say 1980, 82, somewhere in that range. Uh, a gentleman came in my, my dad's store. My sister was working with somebody else. My sister was about 14 years old. And uh, I worked during the day that day, and we got everything ready, and then she worked that night, New Year's Eve. And about 10 o'clock at night, a gentleman came in with a shotgun and walked up to her and put it in her stomach and said, I want you to get every bit of money that you have in this store right now, or I'm gonna kill you. My sister was 14. I mean, she, this was very, extremely traumatic 
experience for especially a young lady like that. So, man, they're putting their money to, you know, they're grabbing everything they can get their hands on. They give them the money. The dude runs out. Cops come. She, you know, she's just tra- she's traumatized from this. And it was an African-American gentleman. And um, cliches, news, public perceptions, they kind of feed that stuff. You, you know what I'm talking about? They feed that stuff from Satan, the father of lies. Next night, my dad said, and of course my mom said, she is never working again, right? About my 13, 14-year-old sister, just, you know, totally right. So my brother Paul worked the next night. Same dude, 10 o'clock at night, put the shotgun up to his head this time and said, give me all your money or I'm gonna kill you, blah, 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 blah. Cops come, I, I go to the store that night with my dad, and my dad looked at me and he said, you are working nights forever. And for like the next two years, I'm like, wait a minute. So if, if Joanne can't work because she got robbed, and Paul, yeah, I don't care if you're in when they get robbed. That's different. I don't want my babies getting, you know. So he said, you're working. And I was on night shift for like, oh my gosh, for like the next nine months, night and day shift. So um, it was very interesting, the mood in the store the next day. Our store was in a black community, right? We had, we kept, my dad sold cigarettes and if you've ever seen a carton of cigarettes, my dad would take the cardboard part of the carton of cigarettes and he would cut them and on the backside of a Marlboro thing was like paper, he would use it and we would have tabs for everybody that came in, you know, and they would come in with their paycheck and, and pay their grocery tab by the end of the week and he was really, really good to people in our community. He lent money, cashed their checks, he really, he was really, somebody that helped out a lot. And the next days after these two robberies, it was very interesting because the black community came to mind. And these, just people came all every day. I mean, we'd have trash collectors, lawyers, bankers, you know, city workers. I mean, our store was just a, 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 it was just a community center. It was really cool. But the black community showed up the next day offended that a black man came in and did this to my dad. And, and it was interesting to hear the conversation because they were mad that this black gentleman, and please, I'm not, if I say black or something like that, I don't mean offense by that, I really, really don't, I'm just trying to tell you the story. But um, that this gentleman uh, that robbed our store that night, the African-American black community in our, around our store was mad about it. And this is what they said. You don't treat someone who takes care of other black people like that. And they were mad. And they came in the next day. Tiny, we're sorry. My dad's nickname, his store's called Tiny T's. His nickname was Tiny. And it's funny because he's 6'8". He's like 450-pound mammoth behemoth guy. They didn't rob him when he was at the store. They did it when the kids were at the store, right? So this dude cut. And, and the black community just showed up in droves. We're going to find out who did this. We will not let this happen again. And they came They were hanging around the store at night like leaning up a store going, I dare you to come. Like 10 guys were out at night, like guarding our store, because that was their store. That was their community center. And we were part of their family. And what could have been something that divided our community, the white and black community in that area, really brought us together. You wanna hear something crazy? A black gentleman told the cops, I know who did it, this is his name, this is where he lives. And his mom, this dude's mom that robbed us, was somebody my dad kept a tab for, who worked at the uh, senior citizen's uh, home just up the street, Manchester House, from my dad's store. She came in bawling and apologized on behalf of her son because of what he did to my dad and my, and my, my sister and my brother. I mean, that was a real defining moment for, for us as kids uh, under, under my dad's you know, uh, umbrella of leadership in our lives because it really taught us a lot about people and you know what the truth is? People are who they are no matter what color they are. Evil is in white people just as much as evil is in black people. Just as much evil is in Mexican people, Spanish people, Latino people, just as much as good is in all of the aforenamed, uh, what I was talking to you about earlier. But for some reason, we label, right? Now here's, and here's the biggest detriment when it comes to racist behavior, our 
kids hear everything. And they repeat. And they learn by what we do more than they learn by what we say. I used to tell my kids all the time, put your seatbelt on, put your seatbelt on, put your seatbelt on. And my oldest daughter, who notices everything, said, Dad, why do you make us wear our seatbelts when you never wear your seatbelt? And I said to her, because that law's for kids, not adults, which was wrong. And now I wear my seatbelt all the time, right? And the only reason I wear my seatbelts, not for safety, not for the law, because I hate the dinging if it's off. It drives me crazy. Stupid dinger, that's the only reason why I'm putting it on. But our kids learn by what we do, don't they? By the way that we treat others, by the way that we address others. If, if, listen, if you, we used to say this all the time. I had Sky come up to me one time and go, I'm not surprised. You, da, 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 da. That kid is so bad. I said, listen, there's no bad kids. There's no bad kids. There's bad parents. That's my opinion. And I know there's some bad seeds and Satan does what he does. But I know this, I'm responsible for their upbringing, for my girls' upbringing, and for their behavior, and, 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 that, and you as parents too, you have the same responsibility. And it's daunting. It's a daunting responsibility because it really changes the way, it should change the way that you act and treat others when you accept that responsibility. But here's how I want to address this, this, this issue of how we can uh, overcome this, this stigma in our society as Christians because Christians are racist too. Eight ways to teach children to love different people. Look at somebody you're sitting next to and say, you're really different than me. You're really different than me. Thank God. Eight ways to teach children. And you're gonna understand why I'm using this angle when we, when we finish it up. So because we're a predominantly white church, I have 15 minutes, just kidding. That was a little joke about earlier, da, 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 okay. Some of you thought that was funny, all right. Eight ways to teach children to love different people. Here's what we have to teach them. Number one, God made you exactly the way that you are. God made you exactly the way that you are. Psalm 139, 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. If God made you tall, praise God he made you tall. If God didn't make you tall, praise God he didn't make you tall. I'm saying that to my dear friend, Miss May, okay? Uh, if, if God made you to have uh, really, really dark flowing, amazing hair, then God made you that way. Thank God for him for that, right? If, if God puts you in a family, where your dad is broad with big shoulders and your mom is broad with big shoulders, guess what? Thank God he made you the way that you are. We always are unhappy with the way that we are because we compare ourselves to other people. Well, I wish I was, you know, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl next door I would call. We always compare ourselves to other people and we wish we were different than we are. Well, I wish I had this about me. I wish this was true. I wish this was true. I would, and, then we, and then we do it with our possessions too. And the Bible talks about not to be covetous. We're not just covetousness about, about stuff. We see cars, oh, I wish I had that car. Trucks, houses, you know, vacations, money. You know, I know that there was a little bit of mega millions fever with some of us in the church this week and there may or may not have been people that promised God the biggest tithe in the history of their life if they would have hit mega millions this week. I was praying for you too, okay? I was praying for you too. But we compare because we're never satisfied. And the way that you are, and listen, there's some things, firsthand, there's some things I don't like about me. There's some things I don't like about me. I don't like the way I look sometimes. Dang. Oof. You know. Babe, I'm sorry. I apologize to her. You know. I'm sorry I'm not as good looking as you are. You know. I don't know what happened. I tricked you in high school. I don't know why you married me, but you did. You know. And there's, I, I look at, I mean, I wish I was more like that. I wish I was more like that. It was, and and the, you, know, you know when we're like that? You know what we're doing? We're not, you know, oh, it's insecure. We, we blame it on insecurity. Can I tell you what the root of that is? We are not satisfied with the sovereignty of God. If there's some things about your life you need to change and you can change, you have the ability to change, to be a better person, do it. I'm not saying anything about that. But when you, 
are, are frustrated about who you were born to or the color that you are or the size that you are or the abilities that you have or don't have. I wish I could sing like him. I wish I could sing like her. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. Listen, that's not insecurity. That, that, that is telling God, I don't like what you did with this. That's what you're saying to God. Teach your kids. Because listen, if you tell your kids all the time, I wish I was taller, I wish I was taller, I wish I was taller, guess what your kids are going to wish were true about them? I wish I didn't have this true about my life. Oh, excuse, 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 complaint, 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 complaint. Guess what our kids are going to do? They're going to be just like us. Just like us. Teach your kids to be happy with who they are because you're happy with who God made you to be. Thank God for your life. Thank God for, for, for who you are in him. Thank God that you've had the privilege of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank God for your health today. Thank God for the privilege of being one of his kids. Thank God for how he's blessed you. Don't complain about what you don't have. Thank God for what you do have. Spend time th- and, and make sure your kids know that you have an attitude of gratitude when it comes to stuff and possessions and potential and all those things because that's how God made you. And it's okay if you have struggles. And, and, you know, there's, there's, some, there's some people, there's a guy that's in the UK camp, Jay Lusted, I think is his name. And Jay is a dude that is uh, a, a, a small person. Not allowed to say midget anymore, I don't think, right? Uh, you say, can you say dwarf? I just don't know what you're allowed to say anymore sometimes. I don't even know what I'm allowed to say. But he's a small person, like, like super duper mega small. But he's also kind of a reality TV guy in the UK. And don't you know that he married a girl like six foot tall? Like she's like as tall as I am, Chloe. She's a, she's, she's a tall girl. I'm not allowed to say big girl either. She's a tall girl. So this little tiny dude marries this really tall girl. And when you see him together, she's holding her hand like, like she, he's the child. He's like, you know, kind of, but he's walking around going, yeah, what's up with that? Look what I got. I got a six foot blonde honey in my arms. Boom. You know what I mean? He's got major confidence. But I heard him talking about one time, he gave a testimony at the camp one time, he was talking about how, you know what? God made me the way that I am. When I stop being mad at God for being really short, guess what? I like being short. I like being short. God made you the way that you are. Thank him for the way that you are. Number two, God made others exactly the way that they are. Guess what? God made black people black. He made white people white. He made Chinese people Chinese. He made Spanish people Spanish. He made African people African. And if I'm forgetting any race, it's not because I'm racist. I'm sorry. I'm really trying to be really, really politically correct today, okay? But he made everybody the way that they are. And we can't look down at people like that because you know what? No matter what corner of the world that that person is from, rich or poor, white, black, Red, yellow, green, purple, orange. I heard this week from a friend we had dinner with this week. There's this, what, what, the colloidal, what is that called? Colloidal silver. There's a dude that took too much colloidal silver and he is blue and he, and his, he is blue like for life. His skin tone will never change, he's blue. You're allowed to make fun of that guy. Okay, that's different. That's self-inflicted blueness, okay? You can make fun of him. But in all seriousness, When we talk, listen, that person was born with the same need that you were born with, and that's to be saved by grace through Jesus Christ. We're not better, we're blessed, but because we're blessed, finish this verse for me. To whom much is given, much is required. What does God require of you? Here's number three. This is next level. We need to teach our kids that they were made in God's image. You're made, so when you're making fun of somebody for red, yellow, black, or white, you're making fun of the way God looks. What? Yeah, we're made in God's image. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God made us to look this way. God gave us what he gave us. This is how he created mankind. And we are his creation. So he had every right to make us the way that he made us. And your kids need to know because of your thankfulness that you were made in God's image, that they were made in the precious image of Jehovah God, the creator of the universe. And, and, and you know, there, there's a really good movie. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's, it's, it's a good cultural statement movie. 
It's coming out soon. You're going to see it. I'm not telling everybody, but I want you to see it, Gary, with Tara. I think it's called eighth grade. Anybody seen the previews for eighth grade? Eighth grade. Raising four girls. My man, Derek, over here. I wa- Derek, wave your hand up in the air. I was like, man, I can't believe this guy gave up. Until a- a- I heard about his job, he works on a farm, and he has to do, like, internals on pigs and stuff. It's really weird. Like, Puts like the sleeve on his arm, has to go up there and get stuff. It's really weird. It's really super gross. I'm thinking, okay, the mission strip's got to be great for him. And then he told me, not only did he come this week to work in our air-conditioned church and he doesn't have to get pig internals, he has four daughters. This has been like vacation for him this week. He's been away from five women. And I think Tony was telling him it's the, it's the uh, um, what did you call it, something, the ocean? The estrogen ocean. He left the estrogen ocean to come here to be with us. And listen, raising girls, I want to tell you something, junior high with girls, good golly, Miss Molly. It's brutal. It's hard. And I still love my girls in spite of all that. I really do. But they're made in God's image. Dads, can I say this to you? You need to tell your girls they're beautiful every day. They need to hear it from you. Not because they're beautiful because your opinion of them is that they're prettier than other girls. They're beautiful because they are how God made them to be. You know? If your girls need to lose weight, let the moms take care of that. Dads, don't tell your girls to lose weight. That was free right there. That was free of charge right there. They're made in God's image. Number four, God wants us to treat people the way we expect to be treated ourselves. Jesus said during the Sermon on the Mount, so in everything, Matthew 7, 12, do to others what you would have them do to you. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Your parents used to say that, right? Treat people the way you want to be treated. That's from Jesus. He said that. We use that as a golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then he says this. This sums up all the law and the prophets. It was like next level. But here's what Jesus is saying. If you want people to respect you, respect others. If you want people to treat you honorably, treat other people honorably. If you want people to be kind to you, be kind to other people. If you like when people yell at you and cuss at you and treat you ignorant and are ugly and mad at you all the time, well, guess what? There's a reason. It's amazing to me how we, I, I say this to my girls all the time, um, probably more as adults than I did, as, than I did when, they were, when they were little. Give more than you expect. I don't have a verse for that yet. It's got to be in the Bible somewhere because it sounds really, really good. But give more than you expect for this reason. If you're, if you're giving of yourself and if you're speaking kindness into other people and you're talking positive to other people, and don't you want to be someone that has a reputation that when you come into a room, you bring it up? Because, man, all of us know people that when that person comes in the room, we're like, ugh, womp, womp, womp. They just suck the life out of that room with negativity. I don't want to have that reputation. But in order for that to be true about me, i got to treat people that way. I gotta be kind to people. I've gotta be positive. And it's hard to be positive in a negative world sometimes, isn't it? Listen, I've been a Philadelphia Eagles fan for 52 years. Give me the stinking Super Bowl glory I deserve for crying out loud, okay? That was a little funny. Anyway, here's the next one. Number five, this is great. And I hope you remember this. Number five, sin is ugly, people are not. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly, uh-uh, you ugly. Uh. Singing about sin, not about people. Sin is ugly, people are not. Philippians 2.15 says, so that as you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a, war- in a warped and crooked generation. Man, is that true about today? Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Romans 3.13, their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips. You know what that's about? People that talk ugly about other people. Sin's ugly. Sin destroys. Sin hurts. Sin destroys families. It destroys people. Destroys so much. But people aren't ugly. And listen, people that have sin in their life, they're not ugly people. They're just going through an ugly time. Sin is ugly. People are not. Number six, God loves everybody in spite of their sin. Somebody say amen. God loves everybody in spite of their sin. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his own love for us even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. It's amazing that we base our feelings on people by what we perceive and how they treat us. We make a judgment on people. It's 
well, they're this, they're this, they're this. And we kind of, we label people. We're really good at labeling people. Here's the crazy thing about God. What is your deepest, darkest, ugliest secret that you have in your life right now? Just think about that for a second and go, oh, right? We hate that thing about if it's in our past or whatever. We hate that. You know, God knows that and he still loves you. And I wouldn't want, I don't want my life on this screen, everything I ever did in my life. I don't think anybody would sign up or volunteer for that either. But God knows it, but he's never loved us less and he's never gonna love us more. And if our kids know that that's a value in our life, they're gonna see it in us too. God loves people in spite of their sin. Number seven, Jesus died and rose again for them and for all children. Philippians 3.8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of the knowledge knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider everything garbage that I may win Christ. Jesus died for everybody. Jesus died for everybody. Red, yellow, black, white, rich, poor, tall, short, skinny, vertically challenged. Jesus died for everybody. He died for everybody. Here's the last thing. Real simple. Love others because God loves them too. Um, it's, it, it's a privilege. It, it is a privilege to be part of so many people's lives. It, re, it really is. When we went to camp this week or last week and saw Gary with Tara, it was last Sunday, last Sunday afternoon, and Gavin comes up to me, Laura, he just, Pastor Ed, gave me a big old hug. All of our kids came up and they gave me a big old, a lot of those kids know me because their parents know me or because Gary and Tara know me, but that expression of love, man, that'll just, that'll pick you up on a cruddy day. You know what I'm saying? But there's, as much as there are some people in this room that are very, very easy to love, it was funny when Kim told you to do the hand hug thing, you know, because last week we talked about we love with touch. I had a couple people go, oh, you can love me without touching me, but thank you, that was really, really good kind of a thing, right? She likes to hand hug. She said to me one day, I came home one day, you know, it was one, one of those 109 days that, that we had this week. You had a good day? Oh, I'm just, man, it's just been a tough day. Can I have a hug? She says, oh, it's too hot. How about a hand hug? You know, that kind of a thing. But it's just neat to be, to be part of people's lives. It really is. And, 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 and to, to walk through life with you. But not all of us in this room are the easiest people to love. How many of you would, would say that's probably true? I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. Some of us can be unlovable. How many, how, many, how many think some of us are unlovable sometimes? I think I'm unlovable sometimes. I'm unlovable sometimes. I know that. But you know what? It doesn't matter how lovable or unlovable you are, God loves you. And what God says, I want you to love everybody that I love. And guess who that is? It's everybody, everybody. 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Everybody who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love doesn't know God. So the Bible says here, if you're born, John chapter three, it says, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Jesus said that to Nicodemus. We gotta be born again. We have to have a relationship with Christ. Jesus forgives us, restores us to God. Once we've been forgiven, accept him as our Lord and Savior, guess what we become? Part of God's family. Born of God, adopted into his family with all the rights that a parent would bestow to their adopted kids. We have those rights from God. But here's what God says to us. You're supposed to love everybody. If you don't love everybody, you're not part of my family. You say, what does that mean? God's saying this, be a reflection of who your father is. Be a reflection of your father. And here's why it's so important, and this is, this is the kind of the, the, the closing statement to everything I told you. I gave you a lot of good stuff for you to teach your kids today, right? But don't make it a do as I say. Make it a do as I do. Be real honest with God this morning. Just real, real honest with him for a moment. If you carry racist feelings in your heart, you're normal. Probably the majority of people do at some level. Ask God to forgive you. You don't have to go on TV and ask forgiveness for the entire nation of Islam if you're mad at Muslim people. Or go on TV and say, I'm sorry to everybody that's Spanish. Or go on TV and say, sorry to everybody that's white if you're mad at them. But you do need to say you're sorry to God. And you do need to treat people the way that God wants you to. 
And then do this. Ask God to forgive you if you have racist feelings. But here's the second thing I want to encourage you to do. Ask God to protect you from getting pulled into racist beliefs and attacks. Don't let that happen. Don't get sucked in. Don't get sucked into stupid Facebook world with that stuff. Don't get sucked into public opinion. Don't get sucked into news that, that tries to sway your belief system far right or far left. Love people. Just love people. It doesn't matter who you voted for. It doesn't matter who you're for. Be for God and for Jesus. Let your politics be like point number 27 about your life. Be pro-God and pro-Jesus. But ask God to protect you from getting pulled into racist beliefs and attacks. Here's the next one. Ask God to protect our church from racism at any level. God help us if anybody walks through the doors of our church and feels that someone gave them a condescending look or a condescending attitude because of the way that they look and what their background is. And then finally, do this. Ask God to use you to build bridges with all people. And we don't do that to build bridges to ourselves. I hope people like me. I hope people like me. No, 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 no. We want people to love God. But God uses me to connect to Gary so that I can connect Gary to Christ. And if I go up to Lily and I'm hateful towards Lily, guess what? Lily knows that I'm a Christian. She's gonna hate Jesus because I'm a hateful person. But if I'm loving towards this sweet, beautiful young lady right here, she's gonna believe when I tell her God loves you because it's been demonstrated in somebody that's right in front of her. Let's make sure we're building bridges to the world. Everybody's all, ah, I want people to know, I want people to know. Listen, the only thing that people need to know about you is you love God and love Jesus. Let everything else be secondary, amen? Let's pray together. Let's pray.